So how, how many of us, as we've read through the book of Proverbs, we come up on this verse in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. You probably can even quote it. It says, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. So, so the wise man said, go to the ant. Obviously, there must be some things that we can learn, even watching the smallest of creatures that God has created, an ant. So think about that just for a moment, and you tell me, what are some lessons we should learn from the ant? I'm sorry? Exactly, Stan. You, you know, you, I, I, you don't see too many ants standing around in the huddle talking like they like road repairmen, right? You know, ten road repairmen standing in a circle, leaning the shovel, and one guy doing work. That's not the way the ants are. They're always doing something, right? What about what about their strength? I mean, obviously, we don't know exactly how strong an ant is. But you see ants carrying things sometimes bigger than they are. And, and, they're, and they're, car they're busily carrying that back and forth. So they're busy. They're constantly moving. Uh, they're strong. We know they're strong. Do you, do you see? Yes. They're self-motivated. You don't see anybody cracking a whip over the ants, right? And they seem to know what their job is. They know what they're doing. And no one seems to have to tell them everything to do. Unlike some of us sometimes, right? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. I have to be motivated sometimes to keep going. All right. So what else? They stick together. Yeah, fire ants especially. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know uh, if you've done this, but I have. And, and it's not smart. Just sometimes you see a fire ant bed, go up and kick that fire ant bed and notice how quickly that bed and your foot is covered with fire ants. They're, they're extremely fast, right? They're, they're, I would say they're protected. They, 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 they protect their own. They seem to. They stay together. They, they, they're, they're energetic. They're always on the move. You know, we know, what are they doing? Where are they carrying that food? Probably to their home, right? Storing it up somewhere. Probably storing that food up because what? An ant, kind of like, you know, they know that winter's going to come. Food might be much harder to find. And so they're going to need to, they're need to have food stored up if they're going to make it through the wintertime. They, they, they live in the earth, down in the ground. What's that all about? Well, it seems to me like it probably has something to do with warmth, right? You know, you, 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 down in the ground, if you go down far enough ground, the, the temperature is a lot warmer in the ground than it is on top of the ground. So they must know something about weather. Uh, so there's a lot of lessons you can, you can learn from an ant. But look again at the verse that says, Go to the ant. You sluggard. You sluggard. Tonight's lesson, we're going to talk about laziness. We're going to talk about laziness from the book of Proverbs. Uh, the terms and images for laziness in Proverbs are, are, are varied and, and numerous also, but they're very instructive. For instance, the Hebrew word A-T-S-E-L, at cell, is how I would pronounce it. It was 
found 14 times in the book of Proverbs, and it means sluggard. We've translated it as sluggard, like, like found in this verse, and it means someone who is indolent, someone who is idle, someone who is inactive. And the example they give of someone who might fit that description is someone who sits like, like a bump on the log, who just doesn't do anything, just doesn't do anything. Another, another Hebrew word uh, used is the word remiyah, R-E-M-I-Y-A-H. And it's uh, translated as slothful. It's found four times in the book of Hebrews. And it's one who is remiss in his duty, who's slow, deceitful. And, and the example we have is he says he'll do the job, but then he never seems to get around to do it. He has good intentions. He says he's going to do it, but he just never gets around to do it. Has good intentions, but never quite fulfills them. One of the last words is the word sleeper. We find that it's used many times in the book of Proverbs. Those who love sleep found in chapter 20, verse 13. And there's uh, three different expressions. Look, if you will, at that verse of, uh, in, in chapter 20 and verse 13, because it, there's like three words in that same verse that are all talking about the same person. It's, I think it's, the, yeah, maybe it's in 610. That, that little verse I'm looking for, yeah. Okay, yeah, it, it's, it's in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 10. Uh, it says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Three different words. You find the word sleep, slumber, and the folding of the hands all found in that one verse. And so the first time it's used, it's, used, it's talking about the person who, to lie down and to rest. The second time the word is used, it means to be in a state of sleep or of slumber. And the third time means of, of drowsiness or being sleepy, person being sleepy. So tonight as we take a look at the words, as we look at laziness in the book of Proverbs, we're going to find a number of things out. But one of the things I want to talk about for a few minutes is perhaps you've heard of Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey uh, did a lot of work on time study. And he, had, uh, he did a self-discipline matrix. So I want you to visualize this matrix, if you will, and perhaps if you want to write it down or write something down, make notes and says, but the matrix is all about is about where where are you spending your time? That's the question. Where are you spending your time? So he took he took a matrix and made a cross, and he has four different areas in which he's going to discuss. He said there are things in our life that are urgent and important, and that's all going to go in one quadrant. Okay, things that are urgent and important. So think about your life just for a moment. And what what kind of things would you put in that quadrant? Things that are urgent for you and yet and they're very important to you. Your faith. Okay? And and religion. I I, I just put religion here, okay? That's important to me. It's important. It's urgent. We we got to take care of that right now, all right? What about uh, what else could go in that block? What's important to you and what's urgent for you to take care of right now? 
Study. What did you say? Family. I, I was thinking family too, James. Yeah, family. Um, some, some of us in this audience still work. Okay, I know some of you don't. Some of us do. Uh, and so what about our jobs? Our, our, our livelihood. That, that's going to have to go... That's going to have to go in that quadrant, isn't it? It's, it's urgent. It's important. We have to continue to work. Our families, our faith, our religion. Um, and, and you can probably think of other things that might need to go in that quadrant. So that's, that's one quadrant. That's one part of our lives we look at. The next, the next quadrant are things that are not urgent but are important. They're not urgent because they are important. Those things that we... Uh, we plan to do. That first quadrant are those things that we have to do now. We need to do right now because they are important. They are urgent. But those things that are in our lives that are that are not urgent but important are, are things that we... I might put, Clay, I'm thinking about honeydew list. That would probably go in that quadrant, right? Those are, those are, not, those are probably important, but they're not just real urgent to me, right? I can wait till tomorrow. Things I can put off tomorrow and not have to worry about today. Um, uh, planning a vacation. Planning a vacation might go uh, in that quadrant. It, it is important. Vacations are important. But is it urgent that we plan that vacation right now? We make those reservations. We think about that roadmap. We figure out the best way to go. No, probably not. We could put that off until, what, next day. Um, Sometimes if we're researching something, if we're trying to find out something about something, we can we could probably put that in that, that quadrant. It is important. It's something we want to find out about, we want to study on, uh, but it's not absolutely uh, necessary. It's not urgent, right? It's important, but it's not urgent. Learning a new skill set. Uh, you know, a person maybe who's trying to learn a new vocation. Learn a new skill to change jobs. Uh, that might be something a person wants to do and desires to do that, but it's not something that's really urgent because, you know, i got a job right now. I'm working right now, so I don't have to worry too much about that. Uh, how about learning a foreign language? Learning a foreign language. You want to learn a new language, right? Uh, is that important? Sure it's important, especially if maybe if you're going to, Make it. You're planning a trip to go to some location where you need to learn to speak some language, but it's it's probably not urgent. You know, it's important, but it's not urgent. Uh, so so the, you can think about those are things that like in the first quarter. Those are things we need to do right now because they are very important. They're very urgent, and that second quarter are those things that we plan to do. You might even put. Uh, Retirement. I, I plan to retire one of these days, but I, but not tomorrow, not next week, not even this year. The good Lord willing, uh, it's something that I. It's important to me. I want to do it, but it's not urgent that I do it. Right. So Stephen Covey says there's two more quadrants you you should think about. One of them is those things that are urgent, but but they're not really important. They're urgent that you take care of right now. But they're not important. Or, so, um, and, and it's interesting what he puts in. He says he puts this quadrant, he calls it reject and explain. Reject and explain. 
Uh, trivial requests from others. Someone asks you a question, they're trying to get information. Uh, it is maybe urgent that they want the answer right now, but how does that fit into your category? Is it important to you? Maybe not. Maybe not that important. Uh, he, he puts things such as ad hoc meetings in, in that quadrant. They're, 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 they're urgent. They have to take place right now. But as, as we look at things that are important in our lives, they're not all that important. Pointless routine things could go in that quadrant. Misunderstandings. Um, uh, maybe even complaints from people might go into that quadrant. The last quadrant he talks about are things that are not urgent and things that are not important. Not urgent, not important. He, cable, he labels this quadrant as being resist and cease. Okay? Resist and cease. It's interesting, though, that he calls these, this our comfort quadrant. Our comfort quadrant. Activities like computer games would go into that quadrant. They're, they're not... You know, they're not uh, necessarily urgent. They're not necessarily important. They're, they're time killers or time wasters or something like that. Uh, net surfing, uh, computer chat rooms, gossip, daydreaming. And listen to this. He even puts watching TV into that, into that quadrant. Shopping and buying for no particular purpose. These are habitual comforters. And not necessarily true tasks that are important are, are necessarily urgent for us to do. So he says, think about your life. Think about the things that you do. Where do you spend the most of your time? It's interesting to note that his statistics show that most people spend the vast majority of their time in the not urgent and not important category. Isn't that cool? We, we seem to find... Most of the things that we need to do in life or the things that we do in life really not being all that urgent or not being that important. So you just wonder sometimes uh, why we do that, why we spend all that time. If we were truly wise, we'd take care of, uh, go back and think about that quadrant. You'd take care of all those things that are urgent. You'd take care of all those things that are important. We'd spend a lot of time there. We'd also take care of those things that were important but that were not necessarily urgent. Spend more time in those two quadrants and spend less time in things that are urgent but unimportant or un unimportant and unurgent. That would spend less time that. So, <clears throat> it, it, uh, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23, as we take a look at what the book of Proverbs has to say about about slothfulness or about slub, uh, being a sluggard, we find this particular verse. It says, In all labors there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. Uh, in all labors there is profit, but in idle chatter there is only poverty. So as we think about laziness, as we think about those people who fit that category, let's think about some of the attitudes that we might find that a man who is lazy might have. For instance, a man who uh, falls into that category who is lazy might be someone who loves comfort and spends a lot of his time in that fourth quadrant. You know, he just watches television. He plays games on computers. He doesn't find much to do, doesn't find 
He doesn't spend time on things that are important. But he loves, he loves those comfort things and he loves to sleep. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 10. We read that verse earlier. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little fold of the hands to sleep. And in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 13, chapter 20, verse 13, we read, Do not love sleep lest you come to poverty. Lest you come to poverty. And then from the book of Proverbs chapter 26, verse 14, and think about this, as a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. As the door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. Not going to get a whole lot of stuff accomplished. Not going to get very far in life. Uh, another attitude of a lazy man is he makes lots of excuses. Lots of excuses to himself and to other people at the same time. For instance, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 4 reads, The lazy man will not plow because of winter. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. So uh, the man who doesn't get out and prepare his fields in the wintertime, what's going to happen when it comes time in the spring to plant? Well, he's going to have fields overgrown with weeds, right? And, and the field is not prepared uh, to plant. So it's going to have an effect on his livelihood. Uh, a lazy man will not plow because of winter. He says, That's, it's too cold. I don't want to get it there. I might get sick. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13 says, The lazy man says, There's a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. So he says, There's a lion outside, so therefore I'm, I'm not. Now, did he see? I'm just wondering, did he see the lion or did someone tell him there's a lion outside? I don't know. But anyway, he's not going to go out there one way or the other, right? Not going to get out there because he might get eaten up. The lazy man, he rationalizes his behaviors and will not listen to reason. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 16 reads, The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. We kind of talked about that last week a little bit, about how that uh, he thinks he's so smart in his own eyes. If you ask him in his estimation of himself, he raises himself up really high on that pedestal. Really high on that pedestal, right? In fact, the only we said the only place to go when you step off that pedestal is down, right? So we pointed that out. But in, in, you know, the lazy man—he doesn't think he's lazy. He—he—he uh, he, he just kind of that way, and that's the way he is. And he's not going to listen to reason. He's not going to listen to people who tell him anything different. A lazy man has this attitude also. He rarely finishes what he starts. He loves to take breaks and to rest. Uh, we've read this verse at, uh, in other times, but in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27, points out the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. What he took in hunting. Uh, you know, a, a true hunter is a, someone who, and I'm not a hunter, so I, I'm probably fixing to step out in the area gym. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I know, for instance, the hunters in our congregation, they go hunting, but the things that they take and kill, they turn into food and they eat it. They don't just go out to kill for sport. Uh, I was uh, just, just so happened to see on television the other night, just walking by the television, there was a, uh, uh, 
I've forgotten now the name of the movie, but what it showed was, I think it was Dancing with the Wolves, Dancing with the Wolves, maybe that's what it was. But they had shown a field where buffalo hunters had come in there and killed hundreds of buffalo, skinned them, took the buffalo hides from them, and cut out the tongue and left the meat. And, and I guess what caught my eye was, was these Indians uh, who were traveling, they, they were looking for food to eat, and they came up on this scene where all this whole field of buffaloes were all dead, but had all gone to waste. That, that's, that's a lazy man. That was, that was a sad, sad thing on that particular scene. So he, he, uh, he will not uh, take the time to cook or to roast those things that he's killed in hunting. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 24 says, A man buries his hand in the bowl and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. So here, here's a guy who's so lazy that he will, he will dip the food up in a bowl, but not he's just too lazy to even put it to his mouth and eat it. He's probably not going to fare very well very long. Okay. So it seems that he becomes weary and he allows his weariness to begin to take control over his behavior. So that, that points it out. So those are some of the attitudes of a lazy man. You think about, are there, are there any consequences to being lazy? I think there are. I think there's lots of consequences. You go back to the ant just a moment. Suppose that ant wasn't industrious. Suppose that ant didn't work well with others. Suppose that ant didn't gather food in the summertime. Suppose that ant didn't work at building its nest deep in the ground to stay warm. What's going to happen? Well, bad things. The, the poverty is going to, uh, the hunger is going to sit in probably because he won't be prepared for the winter time. The cold is going to sit in. He can't get out and find food. So there's consequences to laziness. And if you stop and think about, well, what does the New Testament teach about that? What does the New Testament teach about being lazy? It says the man who doesn't work, what? Should not eat. Shall not eat. So as, as we think about the lives that we live as Christians, we think about, hey, look, we, we have to work, right? We need to work. Uh, not only because it's something required to eat, but it, it's good for us to work, okay? It's good for us. To be lazy, I think, is going to be extremely hard on the body. Is, and, the, and, and the body is going to start to fall apart. It's not going to do what it needs to do. Some of the consequences of laziness, one of the things is, is, is poverty itself. Poverty itself. And, and it comes suddenly. It comes suddenly. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 11 says, So shall your poverty come upon you like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. And your, and your need like an armed man. So, you know, uh, the man who doesn't work is going to be poor. The man who's going to be poor necessarily won't have money to buy food, right? And so th that's going to come up on him very suddenly. Poverty will. In chapter 10, verse 4, it says, He who has a, a slack hand becomes poor. So one of the ways we can escape poverty is to work, Right? Work with our hands. Work with our hands while we have the might to do that. While we have the abilities to do that. While we have the time to do that. Stop and think about in, in the church itself, right? Uh, you know, we, we, we sing the song, Work for the Night is Coming, right? 
when man when we won't work be able to work anymore. So in this life, uh, you know, you stop and think about the admonition given to us as Christians. Is we have a job to do. We need to do it today. It's not a job that we can put off until tomorrow, right? It's not a job that we should because we're told that today is the day of salvation, right? Today is the day we have to work with our hands and to teach and to be the kind of Christian we should and share with other people. <clears throat> chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23 says, Idle chatter leads only to poverty. So once again, some of the consequences of poverty, of poverty and of laziness. Uh, Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 to 32 says, uh, and, and let's turn over there if you will, because I thought this was kind of interesting. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 through 32. <clears throat> it says, I went by the field of the lazy man, and by the winepress of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns, and its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down, and when I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. <clears throat> so what, what kind of instruction did he receive from a field that was overgrown with weeds? <clears throat> Excuse me. The instruction that says what? If you don't get out and take care of your field, it's, it's going to overgrow with weeds. Then it's good for nothing. It's not good for planting. It's not good for providing crops. Uh, it, and, and then talked about that stone wall that was probably built around the field to protect it. If that wall falls down, then what's going to protect it from the wild animals, right? From animals that come in and out of the field. So uh, a lot of lessons can be learned. A lot of lessons can be learned from looking at the results of people who are lazy. Another consequence of laziness, it, it irritates some people who are around us uh, and uh, harms relationships. And you stop and think about that just for a moment. Have you ever known of a person who is lazy? Sure. Most of us have. You know, you don't necessarily have to say who it was, but we've known people who are lazy. Well, my question is, is how do they make you feel? They irritate you, right? And what are you thinking about then? Why don't you get up and do something, right? Why don't you go to work? Why don't you find a job? Why don't you do something? They irritate people, uh, people who sit around and do nothing. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 5 says, He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. So how is the father going to feel about the son who is lazy? When it's time for the harvest and the people should be out in the field harvesting the crops, preparing this stuff, and here's a son who refuses to do that. He sits back, he's lazy. He's going to bring shame to the father, right? And, and, and I guarantee it's going to irritate him. It's going to irritate him to no, to no end. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 26, we read, As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man... Uh, to those who sent him. So you, you think about the farmer who hires help, and he hires help thinking that this person's going to go out and work in the field and going to do the job that he hired them to do, goes out later on to check on the field, and nothing's done. 
How's the farmer going to feel about that? Well, it's, the, it's going to irritate him just like smoke irritates a person's eyes. Or how vinegar uh, hurts a person's teeth. <clears throat> it's going to cause a lot of problems. Another another thing we think about laziness, another a consequence of laziness is unfulfilled desire, okay? Unfulfilled desire or covetousness, okay? Proverbs chapter 13 verse 4 says, The soul of the lazy man desires and has nothing. You see, it's not that the lazy man doesn't want things. He does. He wants a, a different life. He wants to have things. He wants to enjoy things. But if he doesn't get out there and work for them, he's not going to have anything. So the lazy man has desires. He has wishes. He has things he would like to do, but, but if he doesn't get out and work for them, he's not going to have them. And then, of course, he's going to be very poor. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 25. The desires of the lazy man kill him, for his hands refuse to labor. It seriously bothers him that he has been lazy, but being bothered is not enough for him to change his behavior. Okay, so the desires of the lazy man kill him. He, in other words, he's not willing to get out to work to obtain those things that he wants in life, those things that he desires. And so because of that, he says, you know, he says he won't, uh, he won't, uh, he, he won't ever have those things. He'll just have the desires but he won't have the things that he needs in life, perhaps. Uh, another consequence of being lazy is at some point in time, people are going to be forced to work. They're going to be forced to do something. For instance, uh, in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24, we, write, we read, The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. At some point in time, uh, this person is going to have to get up and do something, right? Or he's going to starve to death. He's going to flat starve to death. Talked about the man who, who would put his hand into the bowl of porridge, but wouldn't he bring his hand to his mouth? Well, at some point in time, he's going to die. That's what, that's what that kind of attitude will get you. So if, if you don't want to work when you don't have to, then what will happen is you're going to have to work when you don't want to. That's a pretty interesting statement, right? So if you don't want to work when you have to, then at some point in time, you're going to have to work when you don't want to. And, and I think about, you know, I think about as we grow older, as I grow older, how that, uh, you know, uh, if, if the person who has grown old and has not been accustomed to work, and then at some point in time, they do need to go to work, are, are they going to have the energy? Because obviously one of the things that leaves us as we grow older is that, that ability that we had and that energy that we had, that drive that we had to do those things when we were younger. So the idea from the New Testament is a man should work. A man should work. We find things to do in the church. We find things to do on our jobs. We find ways to provide for our families. We find a job and we do that job. <clears throat> Think for a few minutes. What is the opposite of lazy of laziness? Okay. Well, of course, that would be someone who's diligent, someone who works hard, someone who's trying to do their very best. And uh, the Book of Proverbs has some things to say about that person too. 
Diligence is a man's precious possession. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27. Diligence is a man's precious possession. Uh, 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 That verse tells me that we ought to be proud of the fact that we're busy doing things with our hands uh, for the good of our families, for the good of the church. That, that, That diligence, that desire to keep doing things, to keep working, should be something we're proud of. Not not proud like the proud that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that is, uh, you know, that goes before destruction, before fall, but proud of the fact that God has given us the, the, the strength. God has given us the know-how to learn things. He's given us means to take care of our family. The diligent person will plan for the future. The days of winter are always ahead. We stopped and talked about that ant once again. You know, why does he keep carrying that food back and forth? Why does he keep making that trip? It's it's interesting to look to look at a I I don't know so much about the, the little ant beds around here, but in West Texas, back up in Abilene and Anson, West Texas, we had those big red ants. Y'all remember the job the red ants back in up in the middle of the Odessa area? Did you ever look at one of those ant beds and see the trail? I mean, deliberate trails, those ants have walked so many times that they've worn the grass out and it's just the bare ground. So, you know, they're, they're, what are they doing? Well, they, 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 they're working steady at their job, doing those things they do to take care of the little ones, to take care of their families whenever it gets cold and the days get bad and they can't do those things they do. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 8 um, it says the ant provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Chapter 10, verse 5 says, He who gathers in summer is a wise son. Is a wise son. And, and I think we could also insert right along that thing, he who finds a job to do with his hands and does it is a wise person. And he's not going to starve to death. That's that's a proverb by Roy, okay? I just kind of made that one up. All right. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 13 it says, do not love sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied with bread. Uh, another uh, characteristic you find of a person who is diligent is uh, many times we'll find that person being a self-starter. A self-starter. Not waiting for someone else to tell him what to do, but needing to just go ahead and doing those things that need to be done. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 7 says, the ant and, and we kind of pointed this out. It says the ant has no captain, overseer, or ruler. Again, we said that earlier. You don't see someone cracking the whip over those ants. They're going about busily doing their jobs. One of those lessons we, we could learn. Uh, in the church, in the church, we need we need self-starters. You know, we don't. You know, we'd hope that. Uh, when we talked about our plan of work, our idea was, was to present the different areas of work that we have to do here in our family at Graber Road and for each and every one of us to find something in that plan of work that we can get fascinated with, that we can get interested in, and we can get, get busy and do some of that work, whether it's in the evangelistic program or whether it's in teaching a class or and, well, you saw the plan of work, and if you hadn't had time to read it, I encourage you to do that. There's a lots of areas where we could use some help. 
uh, to accomplish the things we want to accomplish here at Red Road. Uh, so we need more self-starters in our nation. We need more self-starters in the church uh, and th to accomplish the things that we need to do. Our problem is not so much a lack of understanding, but a lack of will to do what we know we ought to do. Let me read that again. Our problem is not so much a lack of understanding, but a lack of will to do what we ought to do. Okay. All right. So one, one final thought we have concerning that person who is diligent is that, you know, he's not satisfied with mediocre work. He's going to only be satisfied with excellence. Always doing the very best job that he could. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29 says, Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Think about Paul. If Paul had been satisfied with the things that he had accomplished, he may not have written all those books that he wrote in the New Testament. He was never satisfied with what he had accomplished. He was always going to do, going to make that last mission trip, going to visit that last church, going to pray for that small church that he had established, pray for Christians everywhere. And he was always 